Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. However, wherever, whenever you're listening, this is the Root for Wisconsin show, episode 31. I'm Eric the Big E, joined in person by Ramsey. That's what I'm. And at home via Zoom, Justin Dahl. Justin, how you doing, buddy? We're doing, we're doing good. Everything's starting to shape up around here, boys. The kids are feeling better. Life's getting pretty good. Well, that's very good to hear. I know last week there was some distress, so I'm glad to hear things yes. are turning around. It is all turned around now, so the, the kid's happy. I got to bring both uh, both the young ones to work today and kind of show them off. And so, yeah, that was exciting. And back at work off of my paternity leave and all that fun stuff. Wait, 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 wait. So you're telling me you were off work, say, maybe like last week, and it took Three you. Weeks. Right, but it took you. About an hour and a half to get your system set up to be ready to go to uh, to podcast with us last week. Well, I don't I I don't know how uh, in depth you think I go, but uh, it wasn't an hour and a half. You guys couldn't work with the one computer, so I had to side side shift to the second computer to make it work. Uh, so it was like ten minutes. So I had to boot up the computer, plug the headphones in, let you, you know, it took you five minutes to let me into the meeting. So, you know, it was probably like five minutes. Ramsey, you got any? It was a shit show. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we'll go. We got some business to take care of here. Uh, Our usual business we'll get to in a second. We have a very special piece of business that you can see on our Facebook page right now. We are giving away... A signed David Bakhtiari jersey. Courtesy of River Gallery. And Mere True, True Value. The sponsor of our studio. And why are they the sponsor of our studio? Because they give us stuff to give away to you guys. Yeah, they do. So, shout out uh, Mitch and Julie over at Mere True Value in Jillette, Wisconsin. Giving us a sweet David Bakhtiari jersey. Why David Bakhtiari? Well, we got the Bucks going on. He's probably the Bucks' biggest fan, quite literally. He likes to chug beer. He likes to chug beer. beer. We like to chug beer. And, well, training camp's, what, two weeks away? Three weeks away? Something like that? Something like that. So, that said, how do you win said jersey? Good question. Go to our Facebook page. Go to our Twitter page. Like the video. Share the video. Has to be shared from the page, uh, the page's account. Not mine, not Ramsey's, not Justin's. Have to go to I just the page. did. Do, do I get to win if I shared it? We are the only three people that do not get to win. That's crap. It is what that's it is, Justin. Awesome. That's the sacrifices we make for our fans. But I'm sure if yeah. you wanted one, you could go down to Meaner's True Value right down the street and go pick one up for yourself, bud. That is a fact. So It is right down the street. So besides liking, sharing, commenting on the video, the other way, we're giving away some bonus entries. In the video, video. Ramsey and I decided we were going to chug a beer, David Bakhtiari style. If you do the same, comment in our video that of you chugging a beer or soda or water or milk, whatever your beverage of choice is. See a chug, send a chug, David Bakhtiari style. You'll get not one, not two, but three bonus entries for sending a chug. So we want to see it. We want to see you chug and share the video. Help us grow our page. With that said, okay. we go to our usual usual business, and that being 
We have Monkey Knife Fight, our great partners over there. Play along with the contest, you know, Bucks action. Got NBA Finals going on. We've got some good golf going on this week. We've got NASCAR contest every week. All-Star game going on as we talk right now, but Brewers games every other day of the week. Plenty of stuff to go over there. Win yourself some money. And when you do win that money, go over to repsports.com, R-E-P-P-S-P-O-R-T-S.com, and use code ROOT4 for 15% off your order. Helps us out. Helps yourself out. Plenty of energy. Great products over there. Even sleeping uh, supplements, too. It's a lifestyle. It, it really, really is. is a lifestyle. I've got the Raise Energy hat on today. You can see that in our video, too. All in all, those are our great partners. And then that's really the business end of this discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we start off every we start off the episode with what we always started off with, talking about what we had rooted for in the last week. And really, I mean, really the last half week, if we're yeah. being honest. And that's sponsored by Fanatics. Fanatics, whether your team's on top of the world, say like the Milwaukee Bucks are potentially going to be, or the Phoenix Suns, or you're looking for all-star gear from the MLB All-Star Game. It's bad. You don't want that. Yeah, it's not great. The it hats be, aren't terrible. It might be the worst all-star game I've ever seen. The, the apparel is, yeah. The game itself is pretty good so far. But check that out. Fanatics.com, hashtag love on. Or if your team's on the bottom of the world and... Say you're like a Detroit Lions fan or something stupid and you're listening to this show for some reason. Fanatics, love on, show off your team, show your love for your team. And with the positives, I'll start with Justin. Well, I think the positives were were was game game three. Obviously, Ramsey did a great job calling that the Bucks would, would come home and, and kind of flip the script and did a great job. Uh, I'll give I'll give hats off to Ramsey for that call. Um but I think everything that we we've asked for over the first two games, the Bucks kind of executed in the third game and and a little bit of bully ball and and they won it and and it was pretty handily. I think they went on a in the third quarter at the end of the third quarter they went on a sixteen point stretch, yeah, unanswered, which Phoenix was twenty four to six to close the third. Yeah, so I mean that was obviously the the foot on the neck in 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 that game and but. Game game three was was the blueprint, and it was a positive, and we're we're just hoping to uh, see it continued. Yeah, we'll talk about that more later in the episode. Ramsey, what did you root for this week? I was rooting for an excellent UFC card. Okay. And Conor McGregor snapped his leg. Yeah, well, yeah, we can get to that. Are you want to touch on that now? I don't know. That's all. He snapped his leg, <laughs> and Jay Paul is out there clowning him, and I love it. I got to say, oh, just while we're talking God. about the positives that UFC card, Sugar Sean O'Malley is the man. Kicked the crap out of that green-haired dude. I, I can't tell you what his name dude. is. That might be the Ryan toughest Moitano. guy in America. Ryan Moitano. I, I did buy the fights. I watched him, and that dude went through hell. And how he stood up for that whole thing was unbelievable. unbelievable. Hats off to that guy. He might be the toughest guy in America. Oh, I, my God. Yeah, no, he took – I don't – you know, I'm not to – he took – yeah, piss pounding. Like, the, oh, so first of all, Herb Dean called it with like thirty seconds to go, which, which is a bad call. I didn't like the fact that, that he was... called it there, but that probably should have been called way before that if you were going to call that. Yeah. Yep. Well, you guys just stole my noogie, you sons of bitches. Well, you can still give. You the can nuggie. still go on. You definitely deserve one. Okay. We'll we'll get to that here later. So I'll wrap up my positive, and I'm going to talk about the MLB home run derby. 
Last night was exactly what the MLB needed to showcase its young stars, specifically one Shohei Otani, who is a stud. Was controversially talked about how he was not the face of MLB. After last night, you cannot tell me he is not one of, if not the face of MLB. Started the All Star game tonight on the mound. He batted leadoff, and like Ramsey said, he's a stud. He put him in. Juan Soto from the Nationals put on a show in the first round and went to double OT in the home run derby. And everyone got to see the greatness that is Shohei Otani. He was incredible. The all, Like I said, just an all-around perfect night for MLB fans. I know that the players have had some restrictions on signing autographs. One cool thing they did last night was every ball that was used in the home run derby was signed by an all-star. Oh, and cool. so when it went in the fans, whoever caught it got an autograph of a player. That's really cool. So just a nice little touch to kind of get around uh, some of the COVID protocols here um, and still reward the fans for showing up for a glorified skills competition that's just awesome to watch. And I, I personally hate the format of the, the time element of it, but my goodness, that was incredible. Good stuff from the MLB. Didn't watch it, but I heard it was good. Yeah, and I'll, I'll double down on that. So... With the positives, we go to the negatives. Tyler here with Nook of the Week time. <laughs> and I have a feeling we're all going to kind of probably be on the same page here. So I'll let Justin go first because we kind of stole his thunder already. Yeah, I'm going to double down. Obviously, the Herb Dean stoppage. You let a guy go 14 and a half minutes of getting his ass kicked, obviously. But, you know, still charging forward, still throwing punches, still defending himself, still on his feet. That... That had to be the first time that I have seen a fight stopped like that where they were both basically in the middle of the ring uh, or the octagon and and the the guy that that got TKO'd was charging the other guy. Uh it, it was just uh it, it was unbelievable when it happened. I know it's very controversial among uh pundits writers um and fans for that matter. I know Dana White came out and said that he would have stopped it a long time ago. And I would agree with that when the guy was hurt and, and not uh, defending himself in a, in a smart manner, but the guy was charging him, defending himself. So I thought it was a bad stoppage. And my second, um, my, my second little noogie here, and we, we don't have to go very deep on this. It's, it's, it's your uh, home run derby, the the spinner tr- necklace trophy. Come on, that thing is horrendously ugly. That doesn't belong. You took what was a great night for football for baseball to showcase their young stars, and you put a spinner necklace on the guy. A spinner necklace. Spinner necklaces How are cool. Terrible. Do you no, know they're not? Do you know who has spinner, cool. Justin? John, John Cena. Cena. And you can't even see hey, him. You can't see yeah. him. Hey, hey, let me tell you something. They're cool for com- He can't. I, I didn't mute him. This is this is his computer hating his take. Yeah, the computer's like, this is karma. This computer, this take is garbage. All right, Ramsey, what's your name of the week? It's it's a. <laughs> this is stupid. Awesome. Ramsey, your name of the week? Uh, Conor McGregor. Okay. He was kind of a bitch. He broke his leg, but then continued to talk shit and talk about how he's going to kill Dustin Poirier. Like, dude, you... Read the room. 
Yeah, come on. Your leg is snapping half. Like, let's stop talking shit for just a little bit. Your career is over. Like, it's done. You're done. You're no longer relevant. Just go heal your broken leg, sit on your millions of dollars of cash, and go hang on your boat. Like, you need to read the room a little bit better than that, especially when everybody was saying that's a must-win fight for you. Yeah. And you broke your leg. And it happens. And, you know, that, that's an unfortunate that's injury. That's Yep. But at the end of the day, it still happened. Read the room a little bit. At least if you go out humble, you might be able to get another fight. I know he's going to get another fight, but... He's, he's going to have more fights. Like, that's not going to be the issue. I, I'm going to double down. Yeah, or triple down. Uh, just walking away from that fight. I mean, you had a pretty solid main card. Yep. We had Sugar Sean O'Malley lead it off with just a brutal ass kicking. Like, across the board, I mean, like I said, that fight probably should have been done well before that. Yeah. But, the and just brutal match. A lightning fast bantamweight, women's bantamweight match. Greg Hardy got knocked the heck out. Wait, I thought he knocked out his girlfriend. Ooh, come on. Wait. And then we had a guy. Same guy, right? Yeah, same guy. Oh. Same guy. Same scumbag. And then something the guy a bed of guns or something too. Yeah, and then the God same shit rocked. Got his socks rocked right off by a dude that looks like me. By a dude <laughs> that looks like all of us. Yeah. And then who's chugging beer out of shoes? Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. Australian dude chugging beer out of shoes, which was like probably one of the cooler parts of the night. And then just, I mean, you it, it's a sport of brutality, so it is. But it, like, it's part of the beast. But you had all this hype. I mean. I mean, Ramsey and I are both huge Connor fans. I don't, yeah. Justin, I think you're in that same boat too. Yeah, but you're missing you're missing the co-main event. I, I cannot for the life of me think of the two guys in it. I don't Steven one guy, Wonderboy Thompson versus uh, Dorino uh, Burns. I was just so pumped up about Greg Hardy getting knocked out. Yeah, I, I just forgot all about the co-main event. Yeah, not honest to God, though, same. Um, great fight though too. I mean, that was a good fight. And then Connor, first of all, Connor's entrance, his walkout is one of the most iconic moments. It's just, it's awe inspiring. It's all eyes turn to him, that Gaelic music starting off, yep. and then hitting some notorious BIG. You got the billionaire strut going. I, I was so amped for that fight. And then just, it ends in a way like he didn't get, I mean, he, he was probably losing the first round. I don't think that's really questionable. But just it's so anticlimactic when you sit there and you're like, okay, this should have been so much more. Well, this is a lot, this is the same thing outside of the cowboy fight. But his last, I believe, three fights have been the same thing. He ends up on his back in the first round and can't get up. Like, and he even had a chance. I mean, you can argue about how good of a chance, but he had a chance to win from his back. Yep. He had that guillotine choke just about locked in. I think he got tried to get a little too cute with it. He adjusted his grip and then he lost it. Well, and he had a broken leg at that point too. Well, see, I don't, yeah, I, I, did, I disagree with that. No, no, you can see it. No, if he you, does. He doesn't have. He doesn't have his legs wrapped. Or he does. Uh, Dustin Poirier defended it. That that guillotine choke was not close because he wasn't in guard. Connor. He was. Connor or uh, Dustin, if he wanted to, he could have. He could have went to side guard, or he could have. He could have even mounted. Connor at that point he he needed Connor needed to put him in guard and he didn't get him in guard so that's why the guillotine was never really a threat you can see Poirier point when he breaks his leg 
See, I, I w- the only reason I'm disagreeing with that is that Joe Rogan put out a video yesterday of a breakdown. It was the kick right before he went to go punch. And when he, so he does the kick, he, uh, Poirier blocks it with the arm. And then the next moveset is that punch that he takes, Connor steps back and plants that leg and then just goes sideways. And it's like, they, that's what that the might... analysis of what was probably the spot that went over and probably is the one that maybe broke the camel's back. It could have been broken before that. You can see Poirier. It's about 28 seconds in the fight or something like that. It's that like second side kick that Connor brings around. Poirier checks him and then he points at his leg. You can yep. see it's that's where it happened. He fractured a lease right there. Yep. And he said it right after the fight too. Right away, I knew something was out. Like, yeah, just a bad look for Connor. Yeah. Yeah. I to- I totally agree. I totally agree with you, Ramsey, on that. I I will say this: there's no doubt that that was a 10-9 round for Poirier, but. But the the philosophy that Connor had was so much better this fight than it was the se- the second, the second fight, fight second between up. the two. This he he had him in a very good spot early on. If they would have stood up and he had a healthy uh, healthy enough leg, it, Poirier could have been in real trouble because his, his chin was rocked. So and that's uh, the that's know. I think like the the worst part about it is like you said round one definitely goes to Con or to Poirier. But yeah. you can see enough that if his ankle doesn't snap at the, the literally last moment of round one, Connor was in a pretty good spot round two. Yeah. And just the no fact that that him. second yeah. round got taken away from us as fans and from him, quite frankly, uh, really bittersweet. So that was my Nuggie of the Week, just just the UFC, just that bittersweet feeling as being a fan. Of Connor. And you, of the UFC and, and as and of I, Connor. And I will agree the the interview after uh, with Connor was disgusting. Uh, as a, I mean, as a human being, as a, as a husband, to 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 go in and disrespect somebody. I mean, why why is that your focus? Your focus needs to be on your ankle and not not pointing guns at people and and trying to kill them and and calling everybody else's wife a expletive and. That that's just classless acts, and yeah. you know Connor. For for as much as Connor is loved, he's he probably lost a lot of fans with that interview. Lost a lot of respect for even just for me, like yeah. And I'm all for the trash talk, but there's a line though. But when your leg is broken, I don't even care if there's a line. Like up until the fight, if you're still on pay per view, you can say whatever you want. I'm fine with it. Yeah. But when you're laying on the ground with a broken leg, that's not the time to try to start selling your next fight. Yeah. Because Poirier doesn't give a shit about you. Now, Poirier's, yeah, and I don't, Poirier's focused on that belt over yeah. there. Yep. Yeah. I don't. I and I don't disagree. Like, or, or I totally disagree going into the fight. Like, like his career is wrapped up. This dude has a lot of big fights left. Um, money fights. Now it might take him. It's probably going to take him three, two or three fights to even get consideration for a title shot. But. He he might be past that in his career where he doesn't even care about the title. He's a two-time champ in in, in different divisions, so you know he might chase chase some big money fights with Diaz. That that fight makes sense now. Diaz isn't known to be very active all all all, all of his career anyway. So he he's got huge fights, huge money fights that that are out there for him yet. So. Are we sure though? Just pay. Let's pay he's already what thirty-two. I don't know yeah. his exact age, but I, yeah. He was born in 88, so yeah, 30, maybe 33 this year. 
Right. Yep. He's going to be off for at least six months, if not a year. So he's going back at 34, if not 35, depending on your next fight is. 34. I mean, 34, 34 and a half. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm not sure. I, we will see Conor McGregor again. I don't know if we're going to see him in a meaningly or a meaningful oh. light. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ever he's going to fight. He's definitely fighting Diaz again. There's no... That that's too rich of a fight to to even consider not having. Well, let's just say um, his leg surgery went well, but what if he has an issue recovering? When you see your I, when you see your ankle, they might be forty. They might both be forty years old. They might still do it. But you know what I mean? When in, see, the Uf, in the UFC, we'll book it because it's big money. When you see your ankle laying you know sideways I mean? on the floor, I don't care who you are; it still messes with you. Even Paul George, it took Paul George what four years to get over his. I mean, yeah. that's what I'm saying. I, I think Connor's going to be back, but I could definitely see a scenario where that might have been his last meaningful fight. In title contention, I could agree. Yeah, I, I'll agree. I, I definitely see the, what Justin's getting at here. The fact that it'll, he'll probably have big money fights. He'll have main events. He'll, you know, we'll probably be at Ramsey's house sitting on the couch mm-hmm. at 11 o'clock watching another Connor fight as a main event. But to the extent of it going after a title, we'll see. I, I want it to. I want to see it. I don't know if we will. I'm not sure if he's in title contention before this fight. He was the fifth ranked in that weight class. That's what I'm saying. So he wasn't even really in title contention. Now he would have needed yeah, no, they, that win. They, they and probably won more. They, they came out and said the winner is getting a title fight. The winner of that fight was getting a title fight. That Dana, yeah, Dana White. Came Dana out White did say that because just with Poirier's ranking too. I mean, if he, if he, if Connor had won that fight, he would have been in a great position to get a title fight and had great merit to get that title fight. So, all in all, uh, probably enough talk for the UFC here. Uh, we go to our kind of round trip around the state of Wisconsin. Just a quick shout out. Uh, like I said, MLB All Star game going on right now. Uh, five Brewers get the get the call. Uh, Josh Hader, who could pitch tonight. Uh, we know that Brandon Woodruff and Freddie Peralta won't just because they pitched Saturday, Sunday. And then Corbin Burns already pitched tonight and hoping to see Omar Narvaez, the catcher who was named on to the All-Star team on Saturday. So five Brewers end up getting the call. Awesome to see for the team. First place in the Central by five games, or f- five or four games, I believe, uh, but in a pretty four. commanding position for that MLB, um, for the NL Central. So great stuff for the Brewers. Justin, any news on the recruiting trail for the Badgers? Uh, it, actually, it was a it was a pretty silent week um, uh, on the football side. Uh, no new commits. I think they did get a uh, preferred walk on uh, to come in, but nothing sustain or substantial. Uh, a lot of a lot of basketball recruiting going on. The AAU circuit's really hitting. Uh, hitting it hard in the in the last month of July before kids uh, kind of focus on what's going on for fall sports. Um, so uh, a lot a lot of coaches out on the AAU circuit focusing on that in, in basketball and any other things uh, I haven't really heard nothing. Um, I've I've been keeping my ear to the grindstone on that, but not much going on for Wisconsin in that standpoint. All right, sometimes you need a quiet week. You said they've got some big game hunting going on right now anyway, right, for football? Yep, 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 yep. Uh, just a cut. They've got uh, two or three Wisconsin kids that they, they're really focusing in on. And and uh, so, the, you know, they're, they're at the stage now where they can really just kind of 
sell out and, and, and go for the big guys because they filled, they've, they've done a great job filling out the back end of their, their recruiting class. Awesome to hear. Uh, we look around this before we get into the Bucks talk, just a couple other uh, kind of quick pieces, I guess. Really another quiet week for the Packers. I mean, nothing to talk about there, which is, I guess, probably a good thing, if we're being honest. You know, no is good a couple news. weeks away from training camp. Not a whole lot going on. Can't really complain about that. No new drama, no new uh, problems arising. So good on that front. And with that, we've got some NBA Finals games to break down and to preview. Uh, so right now, the Phoenix Suns do hold a 2-1 lead. We had talked... After game one last time, and the last time you had heard us on these airwaves, was after game one, prior to games two and three. Uh, game two was very similar to game one in a lot of ways. Uh, Phoenix came out and just every time the Bucks would make a run, Phoenix would answer. And after game two, I had a really sour taste in my mouth. I don't know about you guys, but game two, I was—I mean, I thought they'd come around and, and win game three just because that's how the series usually go. But I was not looking forward to game three, let alone game four. See, game three, traditionally speaking, in just about any series, the home team is usually pretty hot. Right. So up to this point, I think everything is as expected. So I think the Phoenix wins in Phoenix, and then the Milwaukee win in game three is all kind of, that was what was supposed to happen. The series starts tomorrow night. Right. Game four. And it's really going it, to, it's on Milwaukee now. Right. Because we were talking about this day at work, and I'm like, I don't know if Milwaukee can win three more games. I think they'll get another one. I think they probably won game four. But I don't know if they win three more times. So, and honestly, even game three, I don't necessarily think it was Milwaukee winning necessarily. Phoenix kind of fell trouble early with DeAndre Ayton, and that was a big swing for Phoenix. See, I would disagree with that, and I, I, I would say the Milwaukee's got a pretty decent path. We'll get to more of that in a little bit. I want to talk game two first. I mean, game two is Phoenix won. I mean, they were a better team that night. They, they were, and I think, like I said, as kind of coming into game three and kind of looking ahead to game four now, I was really concerned. I mean, we saw we when we had talked last week, Wednesday night, we saw a lot of things that really kind of lined up for a bad, you know, all the things that we want to see game two for adjustments that we actually ended up kind of seeing game three, we didn't see in game two. I mean, we look at some of the different things here. I mean, uh, another no-show for Middleton, another no-show from Holiday in that game. I believe Ramsey also called that too, just so you guys all know. I, we'd have to agree with that. Um, and then just questionable bench minutes all the way around, too. Like I, I think I had said this in my my comments I made on Facebook on our show's page on back on, uh, what was it, Saturday night? or Yeah, Thursday night, Thursday night. Um, I don't get Bryn Forbes and Bobby Portis only playing five and six minutes, respectively. Yeah. I, I just I don't comprehend that. Justin, anything? Game two thoughts? 
Well, no, I, I, I think we all agree on that in the, in the sense that that doesn't really make sense. And then on the flip side, that's probably one of the two or three biggest reasons that they won game three. So, I mean, the pathway is pretty clear. So, I mean, game two, game two was kind of a dud in reality. Game one was, was a great game, but game two was kind of a, uh, what, what the hell were they doing? The, the adjustments they made weren't very good. It looked like, well, and Budenholzer has pretty much been out coached in, in every series uh, so far. And, and game two really showed that uh, game three, it, was was completely different. So I, I hope they stay on that path. That's the path they need to be. So, yeah, we get into game three. Um, as Ramsey mentioned, DeAndre Ayton got in foul trouble real early. I believe he had his fourth really early in the third. Yeah, he's probably sat the middle of the second, correct? And then yeah. came right back in and picked up his fourth right away. Right, and in... Really kind of a big piece with that is the fact that, uh, was it Dario, Sar- I'm not going to, I'm going to butcher his name, Dario Saric? Yeah. Dario Sar- Saric. Yep. Goes down in game two, two. And the depth at center for, or really at the five and the, like the stretch four, for Phoenix then becomes Frank Kaminsky, which nothing against Frank Kaminsky. He, he's a Wisconsin guy, but. He's not what you want on Giannis. He's not what you want on PJ Tucker or Bobby Portis. It's just it's a big mismatch for Milwaukee. Well, I think that we saw the key of the series, and it is if DeAndre Ayton is going to be able to meet you, right? We did see a flop from Devin Booker on Sunday night. He had what ten points on. He had ten points on three of fourteen shooting. Three of fourteen. So Devin Booker played about as bad as he possibly could. Chris Paul played not as good as he has been playing. I think it was 18 and 9. Uh, 19 and 9 19 on and 8 of 14 shooting. So, Chris Paul, that's about what his average is. But, you know, if Devin Booker shows up and gives you some, a few more points, that's, it makes the game all different. What is really going to come down to is is DeAndre Ayton going to be able to follow trouble when Giannis is running directly at him? And it, it, I think that's just absolutely insane. That that's, this is basically what the series has come down to. Everyone else is pretty much chalk, right? I mean, Chris Middleton's not quite as good as Devin Booker, and Drew Holiday is not quite as good as Chris Paul, but Giannis has definitely outplayed Devin Booker for the first three games so far, and he's been making up for that. So everyone else is pretty much chalk. Now it just comes down to can DeAndre and stay healthy and knock in foul trouble to well, protect the rim from Giannis front down floor at him. The only kind of counterpoint to that is we kind of one outlier that happens in game three. You get 18 out of Jay Crowder on 6 of 7 shooting, 6 of 7 for 3. And then you get a phenomenal performance, by the way, out of Cam Johnson with 14 points. Cam Johnson almost took over the fourth or the third quarter, especially when he went up and over P.J. Tucker. Yeah, if, but if you've been watching Phoenix this offseason, or postseason, I guess, Jay Crowder would be an anomaly, but Cam Johnson's played well the entire playoff run. And Mikhail Bridges, and no Mikhail doubt Bridges, about it. Those guys have both played well above what they normally have. Right. Normally have. And Bridges Bridges had 27 in the first game. Yep. So he and he shot the ball unbelievably. And that and that's the problem. They they've done a a, a pretty darn good job on Booker, uh, but the other guys are are answering in in 
it's not even answering the whole game. It's answering big shots to stop little runs yep. that the bucks make. They're answering with just big shots. And it's not one, it's not one guy. It's not one specific guy. It's Jay Crowder. It's Cam Johnson. It's, it's Mikhail Bridges. It's Cameron Payne. All these guys are, whether it's a floater or a, a big three from the corner, they're all answering the, to stop little runs. And, and finally in game three in the third quarter, we saw what happened. If they can't answer it and they find themselves in a rut that they can't answer, it's going to be a 24 to six run, a six, a 16 to nothing run. And that essentially killed all their chances to win that game. If the bus could do that, if they could, if they could pull together uh, a five minute stint where they play some, some phenomenal defense deep in the game and they can, and they can, uh, and they, they can put it together. They they can run away with the series. They're that good. Hundred percent. But they got to do that. And you know, it's not even unrealistic. I mean, we saw a lot of kind of, I guess I would say, unworldly shooting from Phoenix in games one and two. So if you play a little bit deep, better defense, and which they did. I mean, they answered that call game three. You saw a lot more aggressive defense. You saw a lot more. You saw better switches. You saw better matchups. I and mean, that's kind of one of the things I want to talk about was. You finally saw a good balance in minutes between Bobby Portis and Brooke Lopez. Brooke Lopez played 21 minutes, Bobby Portis with 18. Uh, Bobby Portis had 11, Brooke Lopez had 11. And both were game changers. Oh, yeah. Both of those guys played huge minutes. And you finally saw a good rotation from Budenholzer. Uh, just with those two. Well, Pat Connaughton, once, Pat Connaughton is probably the unsung hero of this series so far. In my opinion, for the Bucks, and and really, I mean, does not everybody kind of has been focusing on the new fan favorite and Bob Portis? Pat Conson has played some big minutes all the playoffs. Well, one thing we haven't even mentioned too is that the Bucks had really good ball movement on Sunday night. That it wasn't necessarily yeah, you had a lot of Giannis running on the floor and going towards the rack, but the rest of the team had excellent ball movement. And that's what it takes to win a championship. Play solid defense and disrupt Phoenix's ball movement that they've been... They've beat the Bucks on the ball movement side, hands down, the first two games. Right. Come back to Milwaukee. Milwaukee tees them up a little bit, plays a little physical with them, and... Well, and just speaking of physical basketball, I, know I don't want to steal Justin Sunder here because I know he's been preaching this since we started even talking about the Bucks. what, episode one, episode two? Yeah is the fact that, I mean, Giannis was very ball-dominant in a lot of ways, but he also was 13 of 14 yep. from inside the paint. Yep. Inside the charge circle, really. Yep. And then when you get Giannis going to the free-throw line, shooting 13 of 17. That, yeah, that makes a huge difference, yeah. But you're absolutely right. There was, a, there was a hell of a lot less of Giannis playing point forward, bringing the ball down and, and seeing... Um, uh, just a stagnant offense. What they did, you know, Budenholzer's greatest move so far this offseason might have been to Game Three, where he's put Giannis in the pick and roll with Middleton or the pick and roll with with Holiday, and and, and that's where you're gonna find Portis, uh, Connington, uh, Lopez, sit, Tucker sitting in the corner. Your slashers and your shooters. Oh. Yeah, and they and they're finding them under the un, underneath the basket when they when they collapse on 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 Giannis in the in the 
pick and roll. So it, that that's probably his best coaching move so far this off season. And I hope they continue. Obviously, uh, Mon, Monty is Monty Williams is a, a great coach and, and he's going to make some, some changes, but he's got to adjust back. So I, I hope it continues. I hope they play it straight up, but you're right. Getting Deandre Ayton in foul trouble was huge. Uh, um, and, and Devin Booker didn't play the best game, but I don't know if Devin Booker, do you think Devin Booker would have made up? I'll ask you Ramsey. Do you think Devin Booker would have made up 20 points? No, honestly, what I, I think the bigger factor was Devin Booker didn't play well, but Phoenix's entire playoff run, he's went through stretches where he hasn't played necessarily well. Like the stats have been there, but he's gone kind of cold from the floor. I truly think the biggest issue with Phoenix on Sunday was that DeAndre wasn't there to protect the rim and be a physical presence on the other off- on the offensive side of the ball. So, like I said earlier, I think that's where the series is really going to be determined at this point, especially with Dario Saric being out with a torn ACL. DeAndre Ayton is going to play big minutes, and you're probably going to have to get big minutes out of Frank Kaminsky. And, I, and I, like you said, you know, I don't know if you can get that out of Frank Kaminsky. This is not dunking on Frank Kaminsky. I know this is root for Wisconsin show. He's a root for Wisconsin guy, Badger guy. I don't know if he's got that that – X factor to get to those big minutes. If something were to happen, DeAndre Ayton gets in foul trouble, and the Bucks can take advantage of playing small, play Giannis at the five or PJ Tucker at the five, and and or sub in Bobby Portis and let Bobby Portis and Giannis kind of roam the paint. Which is what happened on Sunday, and they had pretty much free reign at it. So, and even even if you don't get DeAndre Ayton in foul trouble per se, just kind of going with that matchup, Bobby Portis. Well, maybe a step or so slower than DeAndre Ayton, still very athletic. Athletic enough. Yeah. A lot more athletic than, say, Brooke Lopez to play that better matchup. And that's something we said the last episode before game two was that is a much better matchup. And this is not a shot at Brooke Lopez, but just a better matchup that Boonholzer was able to take advantage of. Yeah. And, I mean, probably should have in game two. But all in all, like you said, you see these different things kind of come together. And you have to feel a little bit better about potentially game four, game six, and then you just need one in Phoenix. Like I said, tomorrow yeah. tomorrow's where the series starts. You have to, Milwaukee has to win three. So you have to get three. You know you have to win Phoenix now. Right. So, at the, well, you had to win Phoenix the entire time, I guess. But yeah. that's where the whole series would come down. Really, tomorrow night's probably the biggest game. Game four is the big momentum game. Where if Phoenix goes up three one, it's gonna we, be a tough ship. It's a tough ship, and you have to when, win three straight. And when you have to play the style that the Bucks play, right? The Bucks came out with intensity and an urge to win on Sunday. It's just a matter of can you continue to do that for three more games? I think they can, I, I, but we'll see. I think this is a lot. This is a lot like um, the the series with Brooklyn, um, where, where they were down two and, and they come back and they win. But I think uh, I said it then, and I think now. And obviously, they didn't do it back then, and they still ended up squeaking out the series. But I think they need to win the next two for sure. Yeah, I, I think yeah. I, if they come back to Milwaukee, 
with a shot at, at clinching the series, that'd be special. But I think for sure they have to, if you're going to steal a game in Phoenix, that, that fifth game is the game that I think is, is the most important um, to win in the series. Well, to kind of pick up what Justin just said, and I'm sure Justin, you can help me elaborate on this on a little bit, but when you have a young team like Phoenix is, and they had all the momentum, game one, game two, all the momentum. The momentum's not gone yet because they're still having game four, right? But if mm-hmm. Milwaukee ties that up, game four, and they go 2-2, it's going to take a lot to get some of these young guys to wake back up and realize, hey, this isn't... That veteran starts to come into play, right? Like the Bobby well, Portis's, the P.J. Yeah. Tuckers, the even Chris Middleton and Giannis have been in big games before. So being a veteran player in the league really starts to pay dividends when you tie that series up. And, and one thing we really haven't touched on, I totally agree, but one thing we really haven't touched on um, was, and they've mentioned this uh, early earlier in the series when it came to, to game one or game two, was uh, the Phoenix's rotation and, and how losing two of those guys and Torrey Craig in the second game went out with an injury, but he obviously has come back. But even that game has played a factor losing him in that game. The the rotation is tight. The minutes are long for the starters and, and it's been a long postseason. So, and this, and this can revert back to, to one of our conversations earlier about, are we the best team from one to 10 or not? And now's the time. Did that pay off in, in, uh, on game three, is that going to pay off in, in game four and five and in the heart of a series? Uh, and so we'll see. I think that's a huge factor. I, th- I think that was a huge factor when they were only down 14, 15 points. And, and you saw Devin Booker only play. What was it? 29 minutes in the game. He wasn't in foul trouble. He just couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. And I thought it was a smart coaching move by Monty Williams, just to kind of concede the game, concede my star and and get him some rest because he's been playing 40 minutes plus for how many games in a row. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, you touched on just like you said, the fact that really, if it kind of comes down to the depth, you know, like I said, just in the, in the paint, if you, once you lose Sarich, it's, Aiton Kaminsky, and then really having to stretch for Cam Johnson at that four position. It's going to be how does Milwaukee respond? And now that they kind of have that leaning advantage depth wise, where you can play a guy, you know, Bobby Porter and, and Brooke Lopez and kind of equal out those minutes 21 and 18. You have a guy like Pat Connaughton who has proved to this point in the series that he can play 30 plus minutes a game oh. if called upon. You've seen big minutes out of Jeff Teague lately where Jeff Teague in game, granted he didn't score, but Jeff Teague in game three still plays 14 minutes. 14 solid minutes too. 14 solid minutes, especially defensively. Yep. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't score, but Jeff Teague still plus nine. And it's huge. And like I said, I, I cannot stop pointing to the fact Bobby Porter's playing these solid 18 minutes that he did and getting eight boards, putting up 11 and being plus 19 in that game. Yep. That was a game changer. Honestly, Bobby Portis's energy was electric too. Anytime anything was happening, he was in the crowd fired up and ready to go. And Well, I mean, he just, he got the guy, not just the crowd, but he gets the guys on the floor fired yep. up. 
I mean, Chris Middleton's kind of been, I mean, he's been more the vocal leader. And even when he's not putting up 30, 40 points, like we would hope that he would for superstar money. When Even when he's only scoring, you know, 18 points on 6 of 14 shooting like he did in game three, he's still kind of been that vocal guy, you know, let's get everyone together. Drew Holiday's played that role a lot. And kind of let Giannis be the actual playing leader on the floor. Yep. Where, I mean, Giannis is doing something honestly incredible right now. And after game two, it kind of had like a LeBron versus Spurs, LeBron versus Warriors feel where, you know, game two, granted, it's a one-game takeaway, but it kind of felt like no one was ready to answer the call. Game three happens, you see another 40-point performance out of Giannis where putting himself in exclusive company, not saying he's necessarily on that pedestal as an NBA great, but you're having conversations with him in finals performances with the likes of LeBron, Jordan, Shaq, and Kobe. Where mm-hmm. it's it's incredible for a guy in his first finals. What's incredible is he can't shoot. He can't shoot. He can't shoot, he can't shoot and he can't <laughs> hit a free throw. He, he happened to hit, what, you said 13? 13 to 17. 13 on Sunday, but... For the rest of the playoffs, he hasn't been able to hit a jump shot or a free throw, and he's throwing yeah, he's forty under fifty percent, hasn't he? Yeah, it's brutal, brutal, and that can't happen. I mean, that can't honestly, that can't happen the rest of the series. If if he shoots under fifty uh, percent, I mean, look at it. You're not going to win very many games. That's about one line. game alone has for the postseason this season or for this year brought him over fifty percent. He's at fifty six percent. Or fifty seven percent for free throw percentage now. That's terrible. From a superstar. From a yeah, from the MVP. Two time MVP. Two time MVP. Sorry, I forgot one. No, I gotta say, I got I, I as much as we're hyping up the Bucks here, I saw something on on the interwebs today that kind of bothered me, and and it kind of made me actually want to discuss something with you guys, and and I think it'll be a pretty easy conversation. That said, so. Someone posted, I think it was like one of the NBA memes page or whatever, one of those kind of just puts out random pictures all day long to start conversation or whatever. It was something like, if Giannis wins a ring this year and is the finals MVP, does that put him in the top 25 NBA players of all time? And my first reaction was, hell no. Absolutely not. But then I thought about it a little more. Probably. And then I was like, you know, he's a two-time MVP. He has a ring and a finals MVP. Honestly, there's probably, and we've seen incredible games out of those those finals games to get to that, if they get to that point. So I put out a top twenty in the NBA last week, I believe it was. Yeah, it was before game two. So top twenty five all time. That means there's someone at twenty four, twenty five, that Giannis definitely has a better resume than. Yeah. I think someone like Charles Barkley is probably up there. I mean, Carl Malone, John Stockton, um, Patrick Ewing. If Giannis does that, he's a better resume than all those guys. Right. Do I necessarily agree that he's a top 25 player? Not necessarily, not yet. He can't shoot the basketball. He can't hit a free throw. And when he starts getting a little bit older, like what happened with LeBron, you have a choice. You can either start working on a jump shot in an outside game, or you go the route of a Russell Westbrook where you slow down a little bit, your numbers start dipping a little bit. 
So that's where Giannis is at, I think, at this point. Well, you know, the, the other thing I kind of thought of, and it's something that we kind of say, you know, you talk about the kind of the greats of our, of our era, and it's something that Ramsey and I have said a lot, where you have so many, and Justin's one of them, so many people who hate on LeBron, and I get the off-the-court stuff, you don't agree with him, whatever, and even if you don't like the, the little flop or whatever, he's still one of the best, arguably top three players. I don't think you're going to find a guy that can really put him outside the top three. He's top two. Uh, right. Period. End of the day, he's top two. Eminem. So, but the main thing, like a lot of you know, people don't, the, like the first comeback that LeBron talks about or other people talk about when you talk about LeBron conversation is that people don't take enough advantage of that in-the-moment greatness. Mm-hmm. And I started thinking about that today of, of the Giannis angle and just how close we are to the picture, but also how far away we are. Rams and I are not huge Bucks fans. I mean, very casual. Yeah. Um, Justin, kind of more of our diehard Bucks fan, but even then, like, I mean, you look at... I didn't realize, you know, like, we talked about it even last week. His rookie year was 2013. He's been in the year, the league for like eight years now. Right. And he's 26. And it doesn't even feel that long. It feels like we're still talking about a guy on his first contract, which he's had three technically now. It feels like we're talking about a guy on his first contract who's barely out of college. Right. But is that kind of a detriment to Giannis, though? I don't know. Like like I said, I it, in a way it is because he hasn't had he you know he had some lean years there where he was still developing, but at the same time, well, so he had some lean he, years. Yeah, he hardly played his first first year. He hardly played. I think he averaged uh, somewhere between ten and fifteen minutes a game. So back in twenty, I could be way off on. That. I'm pulling the stats up. You guys keep going. In 2015, the year LeBron won the title, or was that 2016? 2016. 2016. Mel and I went down to Milwaukee to watch Bucks Cavs. Okay. So that was a really good Cavs team we saw. And I told people for the longest time that LeBron's impressive to see live. If you ever get a chance to go see LeBron play live. You have to do it. I've, I've done this before, too. I went to the Bucks cavs game after 2016-2017 so season, after that championship. I wholeheartedly agree. However, when I went to that Bucks game in 2016, so that's peak LeBron, that Giannis impressed me more. You had the seven-foot guy that ran up and down the floor. And I told people that. I'm like, hey, Giannis, he's impressive to watch. But even since then, I don't think his game's really evolved. It has a little bit. He's taken a lot more ball dominance. Yep. He's kind of evolved into that slasher down the middle. So I did I did pull up the numbers, by the way. His rookie season was a 13-14 season. He played in 77 games, started 23, and played 24 minutes a game. In that okay, time so frame, um, let's see, what he averaged points-wise. He averaged 6.8 points a game. Right. Even going from 2013-2014, so year two, we listed as a shooting guard, played 81 games, started 71, went up to 31 minutes a game, only still scored 12 a game. Year three, 16 points a game, started 79 of his 80 games, 35 minutes a game, and has been consistently at the 35, mid-30s <coughs> uh, since then. 
and has scored. He went from 22 points a game in 2016 up to 26.9, 2017, 2018, 27, 2019, 29, and then this year, 28. So we've seen just, I, I would disagree that the evolution hasn't been there, but it's been there in different ways. It's been a slower growth, but no, it's no, also no. been just more minutes too. So you missed five. Like, but that's, yes, has he gotten better? Yeah, he has. But I'm saying since 2015 or 16 when I saw him play last, to what he is today, it's not that big of a jump. He hasn't done anything that makes me go, wow, he's improved in that specific spot. He's gotten better in all of them, but as you should as you get longer in the league. You mature right. a little bit, you should get better. That should be an arc that everyone is on. However, he hasn't added anything to his game that's any different now than what it was then. So, yeah, is, is he a top 25 player? Yeah. But can you imagine if he can develop a jump shot or a three-point shot? Or hit a free throw, like he—he feels like he's just scratching the surface, and he's just that mm-hmm. gifted. So it's gonna be really interesting to see the rest of his career what he does next. Yeah, wholeheartedly agree with that, and that's—I think that's the exciting thing about Giannis as a, like I said, as a more casual but still interested Bucks fan, is the fact that he is only twenty-six years old. And really, I mean, you didn't see even LeBron start to get that consistent. I mean, he was always he's a better jump shooter than than Giannis was at this point. But you didn't see that three point shot come till twenty eight, twenty nine. Yep. And I think I mean, not saying that Giannis is going to be on that same level because LeBron's a pretty solid three point shooter. Not great. He's not going to win a three point contest. I think he's what forty percent for his career though. He's up there. Thirty, thirty, high thirties, low forties for his career. But all that said, I mean, you really, I mean, like I said, there's a lot to be excited about, but there's also, like, a, I definitely see where where you can be kind of apprehensive too, I guess. So that, that top 25 all-time conversation is a really weird conversation, but something to, if they win this championship, it's something to start thinking about. I don't, I, you know, that, that is something to think about. I, I don't know that I could really get on board with him being top 25. I would all say all time, all time. I mean, you think about it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily call winning this championship as something that would, you know, just kind of push him over that, that pedestal. I, I don't, you know, I, I, is it that is such a hard argument when you talk about how many great players never really won a championship? You know, there are so like the championship, while it can define careers, it shouldn't define careers. I see. Um, I disagree with that in basketball, especially because the best player wins a ring at some point. Dirt and Vince, you got a ring. Now, granted, the ring came late in his career, and he was a top two player in the league early in his career. But great players in basketball find a way to fall into ranks. And so as Giannis, if you're talking top 25, so he's going to have two MVPs, a defensive player of the year, a finals MVP and a championship. That, in my opinion, that puts him ahead of those guys that are on that fringe of 25 to 20 
that are just kind of fringe top players of all time. Okay, so I just pulled up a top 30 best all-time NBA players, and this is by Complex Sports. So I've never heard of any of these writers, so take it what you will. So top, let's just look at 30 through 25, just or even 30 through 24, 23, just to see kind of where we would put him. So number 30, they have Chris. This, is, this was before last season. Okay. Or before this last season started. This was June 6, 2020. So, right so really before. before the bubble even start, restarted right. up. So number 30 was Chris Paul. 29 was Allen Iverson. 28, John Stockton. 27, Isaiah Thomas. 26, Kawhi Leonard. 25, Dwayne Wade. 24, Scottie Pippen. 23, Moses Malone. 22, Elgin Baylor. 21, Dave Robinson. And 20, Julius Irving. He's running that conversation, though. Those first- yeah, I wouldn't put from 20. I mean, you have the you have an argument. You, when you read off those names, you have a real strong argument when you go from 25 to 30. But when you go from 20 to 25, I don't know that you have a real strong argument that he's... He's a better player than All Dwayne Wade time. is. Who? Giannis today is a better player than Dwayne Wade. Yeah, I mean, I, so I like du- I said, you, you have a strong argument. And Dwayne Wade was 24, correct? 20, I thought he was, he was 26. 25. Dwayne Wade was 25. And yeah. who was 24? So, I mean, 24 was Scottie Pippen. Giannis is a better player than Scottie Pippen is. Oof. See, I think Scottie Pippen is actually kind of really underrated on this. Underrated, season. yes. Yeah, sure, he's maybe underrated, but where else would you put him? Scottie well, Pippen was the league's best two, so that means you can't put him ahead of the league's best ones, right? Like I don't Scottie, know if you can though. I don't so know if you can. Though. Tim Duncan is going to be. Why well, can't you? Because he's without Jordan. What does Pippen want? I mean, he didn't win a championship. They were still at, what, a 50-someone Well, that game. was obviously, that was still late in his career, okay. too, also. But, so he had, he had some big minutes and big games, but you can't tell me that Giannis does what Scottie Pippen does. If you had to compare Giannis to an NBA player of the past, the past. it's going to be someone like Scottie Pippen that's incredibly athletic, doesn't really have that much of a jump shot, can dominate. Scottie Pippen? Yeah. Let's, so think about Giannis. Think what Giannis does. Giannis is super athletic, can defend anyone on the floor, and dominates in three, two to three facets of the game every single night. Points, rebounds, and assists. That's what Scottie Pippen did. Giannis has just done it at a higher level. And shots attempted. Okay. But that's because Giannis is the one. I mean, if you, you, also, you also have to look at that side of the argument. What if Scottie Pippen never really... What if him and Jordan split up? Uh, how many more shot attempts would Scottie Pippen have gotten had he gone and been the one instead of staying and winning six championships with Jordan? But he's still a 17-point there, guy. Side, that's, there's that side of that argument. And the league is better today. The league is better today than it was in 1996. That's, you, that's a fact. I, Think about I the best players. I, I, I'll tell you what. I don't disagree with that, but you cannot argue that in history. So here's when you're talking about history. To me, you cannot argue that in history. But so Giannis is you, 
there are eras to to the game, and in every era is so much better than the previous era. Right. But you're talking about trendsetters at their time. Okay, that's fine. Not. And I know you can't necessarily fault a guy for being where he played, but so Giannis is doing it at a higher level with less talent around him playing better talent. So if Pippen's 22, I think that's where Giannis is. So actually, I'm, I'm kind of glad you bring that yeah, up, Ramsey. So just, faulty, but, you, but faulty by your argument, then Giannis should be top five all time. No. Well, well, I mean, I'm just going off of what you're saying. You know, do you understand what I'm saying? Giannis is in the top five player. That, in the that's, where right the, now. that's where the that's where the that's where the if Giannis wins the championship, you should talk to talk about him being a fo- top five all time player. Maybe top fifteen. So here's actually, like I said, so I, I would here's never a agree solid. Uh, here's a solid comparison with a solid place that Giannis realistically could shoot for, and that's at number nineteen is Carl Malone. And Carl Malone was the, here's like what they write the write up on Carl Malone. Carl Malone falls into a long list of players from the '90s that were really really good, but ultimately overshadowed by Michael Jordan and the Bulls. For Malone, there is even a case, or more of a case, because two of his finals defeats came at the hand of MJ and company. Malone is the number two scorer in all-time in NBA history, averaged 25 points per game over his 19 seasons. He was a two-time MVP, 14 All-Star games, and made the first-team All-NBA 11 times. So, I mean, really, I mean, that's not saying because, you know, we still have 11, 12 more years to go, but that's kind of your comparison for Giannis right now. Yeah, so I like, but so we think nineteen to twenty five somewhere in there. Nineteen to twenty six, probably okay. twenty seven. That's fair. You can you can make an argument. Pippen's a better player. Giannis may remember better than Pippen is though. Uh not not with six not without could, six rings. I could Ramsey. I could totally agree with you if we're talking about this in in ten or twelve years and these things keep keep going. I could totally agree with that argument, but as we talked today, I don't. There's no way when, when you talk about that list from 20 to 24 or 20 to 25, that that's a hard argument to put him but, over. So let's just say that he retires. He wins the title in a week, and he retires. He would be a first ballot Hall of Famer with the yeah, resume so that he currently so has. So was everybody on that list, though? Right, but so he he's deserving to be there. Yeah, I would agree. I, I would it's, agree. It's ultimately kind of gone down to the be in the conversation. Where do you place a guy like that? Right in front of Scottie Pippen. So Scottie Pippen's 23, <laughs> 22. Oh, All right. So before, with that said, I guess we'll just transition here. Game four tonight. Well, 27. Tonight, game four tonight with the release of the episode. <laughs> Bucks have a chance to tie the series. We saw a lot of good game three. We saw not so much game two and game one. So with that said, what is the biggest thing you need to see game four? And really game five will take place before we record again. So the next two games. Justin? Uh, Continued uh, high hedging defense with Giannis playing the five and Bobby Portis playing the four. And and not seeing so much of the ball in Giannis's hand, bringing the ball up the floor, 
they they definitely have to shoot well. Look, uh, the the bottom line is, is if they don't shoot well, like they did in game one and game two, they ain't they couldn't they couldn't re- they couldn't beat the the New York Knicks or whoever the goddamn worst team. I, I know the Knicks made the playoffs, but whoever the worst team in the league was. So I mean, they have to they have to hit shots. Uh, Connington, you're right. Eric was, was huge and hitting some big shots and, and they have to go and they have to find that big run and, and not allow Phoenix to, to kind of stop these mini runs. They need to turn mini runs into a one big run. And if they do that, they win the game. Where is he? In my opinion, Giannis and Middleton have to account for 60 and the Bucks have to go over one eight, one oh eight. So if the Bucks, if Middleton and Giannis both score over sixty, and the Bucks as a team scores one hundred and eight points, I feel pretty confident they would win. If those things don't happen, I think it's Phoenix's game. Side note: Freddie Peralta just pitched a bangerang of an inning in the seventh. For yeah, the, I didn't think he was going to pitch. I, I'm really surprised he's he's pitching right now, but. but Fantastic stuff there. Got him pitching to Nar- Narvaez, which is just as cool too. Um, but yeah, so going back to Bucks talk, good, good, good segment there, Justin. Good, good job. Sorry, um, no, it's all good. <laughs> I'm glad you said something because I was kind of thinking that too. But uh, but no, just as you were mentioning, you know, they've got to see that same urgency game four. And if you win game four, you've got to see game five because like I I do agree with you, Justin. If they're gonna get this thing done, you really got to hope that's coming back to Milwaukee game six. With a chance to, to clinch. Yeah, you don't want to go back to Phoenix in Pro Game 7. And we said the same thing about Brooklyn. And like I said, they squeaked out Game 7 in Brooklyn. I'm really nervous about the idea of that happening again. I, as much as it could happen, I don't know if it does. So for no, the Bucks, There's no doubt about it, yeah. You've got to see urgency. You've got to see good minute disparity between Lopez, Portis. Because you have to take advantage of that mismatch that you could have. Even with DeAndre Ayton on the floor, you need Bobby Parts to play minutes just with the athletic ability that he has. And so if you see that, I, I would agree with... You need Giannis and one other player to combine for 60. I don't know if it's necessarily Middleton. If, it, if it's not Middleton, it has to be Holiday. But you need a combination of 60 points between two of those three. Ideally, Giannis yeah. and, and Middleton or Giannis and Holiday. And then big minutes out of... Out of the bench, I mean, like I said, we've seen it. I, I'm, like I said, over the moon happy for Pat Connaughton right now. And so with that, that's kind of what you have to see, game four. And then, like I said, answering that call, game five, if you can pull off game four. Right now, Bucks four and a half point favorite for game three. That's surprising. Which would put them, you know, Vegas is right, be a 2-2 series going back to Phoenix. Why, why does that surprise you, Ramsey? Well... I th- like honestly, I thought it'd be more. Oh, more! Because let's wow. So you're an old ball coach, Justin. I remember um, back in the day when I used to play a little basketball. A ex, someone that was involved with the team, he walked up to me one time and said, "Hey, I think we're actually playing Jillian." Now I'm not just throwing it out there. And he said, "You're going into somewhere. You got to have the mentality to think you're down ten. So I personally think that Phoenix and Milwaukee for game five or game four, I guess, is pretty much chalk. I'd say be a pickup. 
So the fact that it's only four <laughs> kind of surprised me. I would I would have expected more like six and a half, seven. Well, if we look at the series as a whole, even the games that Phoenix has won, game one and two, and Milwaukee winning by 20 in game three, I mean, really, we haven't seen a single-digit spread. But every game, I think, has been a four-and-a-half or five-point spread. Yeah, like I said, how Milwaukee played at home on Sunday, I would have thought that that spread like, would have been closer to six-and-a-half instead of four. That's fair. In my opinion. That's fair. I get that. Hmm. I mean, it makes sense. I, I totally agree with what you're saying. I, I, I didn't know if you would have thought more. That totally blindsided me, but I can totally agree with what you're saying. So with that said, we can kind of close up the Bucks talk here. Predictions, game four, and really game five before we record again. What do you think we see between now and then? Start with Justin. I think you're going to, uh, honestly, um, I'm not... I have to stay away from watching these games because uh, when I don't watch, these guys light it up. I'm one of those guys right now. I don't watch; they're lighting it up. So, but really, I think I think the Bucks are gonna, they're gonna split it. I think they're gonna win Game Four, and I think they're gonna they're gonna end. I I think that Phoenix crowd is something special. Well, what they showed in, in Game One, Game Two was outstanding. And uh, I think the crowd makes the difference for Phoenix, and I think they steal Game Five. But I think I think they're going to come back to Milwaukee for Game Six, and obviously in a must-win, down three-two. Ramsey, I actually agree. I think, um, like I said, the big game. I think whoever wins Game Four is also going to Game Five. So, whoever that is, I think it goes up. Yeah, I'm going to go Phoenix wins four and five. And Clinch is in five. Clinch is in five. I'm going to take the opposite side. I like I saw a lot of Milwaukee game three. I saw, a, like, like we said earlier, a blueprint of what Milwaukee needs to do. And it's not that unachievable. Now, Grant, I don't know if you do. I don't know if you can see it, you know, three games in a row where it's exactly that same thing. I don't think you see another 20-point win for Milwaukee especially not in Phoenix, but you saw a lot of what you have to do. Phoenix's bench isn't what it was. I mean, like I said, just, just losing that one player in Sarich, I think will have a big factor down the road, especially, like you said, you know, like Ramsey, you said earlier in the, in the show here, Milwaukee goes up or ties the series at 2-2, two to two, and you have a lot of young guys who haven't even played playoff minutes, let alone, um, you know, finals minutes. And you have a lot of guys from Milwaukee who played a lot of playoff minutes and really have that kind of big game veteran feel. Game three, I think, or game four goes to Milwaukee, and I could see them squeaking out game five, coming back to Milwaukee for, for sweeping this thing in six. Bucks and six? Bucks and six. That's I, I, I don't know if it happens, Bucks and six, but the the analytics are swinging that way. The The momentum has a potential to get to that point. And I think you, like I said, I think you've seen a lot of things out of Game Three that are relatively repeatable. Whereas Phoenix's big advantages in Games One and Two, it took lights out shooting, it took really an anomaly of three point shooting and free throw percentage made to win those games. Granted, they won those games handedly. Don't get See, me wrong. I disagree with that statement because I think from watching Phoenix this postseason. 
they have that's their average. What they did in game one and two, that's what the Suns have been for the last six weeks. And that's why I think that in game three, that was the anomaly. Because Milwaukee played as good as they possibly could have. And we already talked that there was two Suns players that didn't. Yeah, but you still saw, like, I mean, the, that's kind of the beauty of what the Suns have done to this point in this series. And, and really throughout the playoffs is they've had guys off the bench or even in their starting rotation that you don't necessarily <laughs> count on, like a Jay Crowder scoring 18 on a 6-7 shooting. There's a lot of things you can't necessarily account for that has made up that scoring that you saw that wasn't being made out of Devin Booker. That wasn't happening from DeAndre Ayton. You saw 14 points out of Cam Johnson. You saw 18 out of Jay Crowder game three. Those points are spread out. You know, they're spread out differently than you would expect. You know, you're not seeing Booker get 30. You're not seeing DeAndre Ayton get, you know, 30, 25, whatever. But those points are going elsewhere kind of more uncommonly. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I disagree with that, but that's just my opinion. Because, like I said, I, Phoenix has got those bench points, though, all postseason. Like, it's not been, sure, it might not necessarily be Cam Johnson every single night, but then Jay Crowder's a big night. Or Booker goes way off. Like, those points have been there all postseason. No, right, and that's what I'm saying. I, I, have a, I think we're saying, we're saying the exact same point, but we're just having different end places with it. You think that... Your, your opinion is that it's been more sustainable and that that's a good path for a championship. I think it's beatable. Sure. Justin, any parting thoughts on the Bucks here before we wrap up? Yeah, not, not so much. I think we've laid it out pretty well. Um, you know, yeah, maybe your guy goes off. Maybe your guy Connington goes off for 17, 18 points and, and does something special like like a Cameron Johnson or Cameron Payne or how many goddamn Camerons do they have on that team? You know, I, I think I think they really just need to win for for them to win the next two games. They're gonna need a special performance from their bench, whether that's Bobby Portis going for eighteen or or uh, Connington going for 18 because those guys are playing the most minutes. But even if it's Forbes hitting four big bombs to to kind of lift them up, or or you know it, it's got they got they've got to have an answer somewhere and it's got to come from the bench because uh, even if you look at game three they got 80 points out of their big three. Uh, I know I know you guys are talking about 60, but if they hit 80. From those guys, you're asking for you're asking forty points from what six other guys or 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 uh, five other guys in the rotation. That that's not unachievable. That's eight points a guy. So you know, if you can get to eighty out of those three, and you can get uh, a big performance off the bench, you possibly have a very good shot at winning the next two. Yeah, absolutely. So with that, just what we always wrap up the episode with, what are you rooting for in the upcoming six days? Ramsey? Um, go Suns, I guess. Once again. Hey, it's worked. It's worked. So I've kind of made my bet at this point, though. That's fair. I have to be on the bed. I'm on the bandwagon. I've been on the bandwagon. I've made my bed. Justin? 
Yeah, I mean, <laughs> over the last couple of weeks, you know what I'm rooting for? I'm rooting for for the the All Star game to be over. This is pitiful. This is I have had an absolute oh, yeah. blast watching this game. Ramsey's I, actually I, been really intense. I'm I have really been into this game. I'm really kind of amazed. I, Ramsey's probably been paying more attention to this between like talking than I have, and I'm I'm so proud. This is ridiculously bad. Anyways, yeah, where's the race this weekend, Ramsey? New Hampshire. Ooh, flat, what, half mile? Yes, sir. One or thing a mile? I, one thing I'd like to make a note of, I believe Kyle Busch has done racing in Xfinity. So, he is. He, he, he races the last one. He got his last right. win. So, so I did a little bit of math. Now, get this in a lesser series. Richard Petty's win percentage was 16% of the races he entered. He won. Okay. Jeff Gordon's was 11. Okay. Dale Earnhardt Sr. was 11. Mm-hmm. Kyle Busch and Xfinity had a 26 or 28% one percentage. 62% to finish in the top five, 73% to finish in the top 10. That's in big math. That is a. Talking auto racing, absurd numbers, no matter what class or what you're doing with it. So. Shout out to Kyle Busch, I guess, for just absolutely dominating a series that he should dominate, but still gotta go out there and do it. Still gotta go and do it. Oh, you know what I was gonna ask you, Ramsey? Did you ever end up catching that truck race at Knoxville? I did not. I was doing something. Ooh. I I did not get a chance to see it. I don't remember. I think something. we were together. I don't know what we were doing, but I think we were, we were doing something. Surprise, surprise, Ramsey and Eric were doing something. Last <laughs> Friday, right? Fish. Dutch Rudder. We were at Fish, and then we went to Stadium View, didn't we? That's right. So I'll wrap up here. Um, obviously, I'm really, like I said, I'm really pumped for the Bucks. I'm the only one that predicted them in this, this podcast to win the championship. And I'm going to kind of go with Ramsey's route. I'm going to make my bet on that bet. And like I said, I think the blueprint's there. I think there's enough to be positive about to see that all happening. So bucks and six, bucks and seven. Let's see it. Let's go crazy, Milwaukee. With that, that is just about the end of episode 31. If you haven't already done so, check out our Facebook page and check out our Twitter page for your chance to win a sweet signed David Bakhtiari jersey. It's actually really nice, courtesy of uh, Ripple Gallery. We have it here in the studio. We want to give it to you. Like the page, share the video, like the video, comment your best chug. We haven't seen any chugs yet, granted we're only we've only had it posted for an hour and a half, but disappointing Wisconsin. Let's see some chugs. Signing off, episode 31 in the books. I'm Eric. That's Ramsey, and that's Justin. We are out. See ya. Salute. Bye.